I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I stand in the grace of our spiritual father, Pastor and Mrs. Reuter, uh, who are not here this morning. They've asked me to represent them. And I just want to honor them for this privilege to, to stand and share the word this morning. Uh, this morning, I just want to continue uh, with a com what I'm calling a complimentary message. It's to complement what our spiritual father has been preaching last week when he introduced the theme which we have on top here. Now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. And um, I've entitled this message this morning, uh, The Generation That Seeks the Lord, the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David Generation. These are men that sought the Lord in their lifetime. And this morning, I just pray that the Lord will give me the grace to uh, bring to you that which the Lord is speaking on his heart. I want to begin by reading uh, Psalm 24, verse 3, up to 6 on your bulletin. The Bible reads, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. That's the generation of those who seek the Lord. Luke 8, 19, verse 8. In the New Testament, we come to Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the Son of Man. Today salvation has come to, the, to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus is not a biological son of Abraham, but becomes the son of Abraham because of what he does. The next scripture that I read uh, is from the book of Genesis 17. The Bible says, Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. That's Genesis 17:3. You'll be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you very fruitful. I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you for the generation to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you this morning. We are so thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you this morning because you have allowed us to come before you, Lord, to seek you that we may find you, to knock at your door, to ask that, O oh Lord, we may receive that which you have for us, even in this day. We thank you, Lord, for the grace of our father, Pastor and Mrs. Reuter, who are not here today, 
And today, Lord, I want to stand in their grace to speak your word. That the Lord, your word will come with clarity. That the Lord will accomplish the purpose and the plan that you sent it for. Lord, I pray for them and I pray for those of our brothers and sisters who are not here this morning. The Lord, you be with them even as they listen to your word even through this platform. Let your grace, O oh Lord, reach to them and abound even their lives. This morning, Lord, may you give us the listening here, that, O oh Lord, you may give us the receptive heart, that we may receive your word with, with clarity, that we may receive your word and receive grace even in our time. We give you thanks and praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, the message is entitled, The Generation That Seeks the Lord, the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David Generation. I've mentioned those names because these are men that the Bible is talking about who sought the Lord. And um, if you look at the outline of the message this morning, number one, fathers and patriarchs show the way, the standard. Number two, another generation arose that did not seek God. Number three, an open heaven on the generation of the righteous. Number four, place demand on priority. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And number five, one generation to another will seek God. That is posterity. So this morning, as we listen to the word, the book of Psalms 24 is giving us a question. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Uh, who may stand in his holy place? The Bible says, you who has clean hands and a pure heart. The clean hands, the hands that we have are the ones that we use to knock on the door. And the Bible talks of how we should knock. And then when we use those hands to knock, how clean are our hands when we knock? The Bible talks of how who may ascend into his holy place, you who has a pure heart. The heart is in the mind of a person, the center of our being. Uh, what is our heart seeking? Because the Bible talks of how we should seek the Lord. What, is, what are the things that we seek after? And the word of God is look, looking at us having a clean hands and a pure heart when we come before him. He who has not lifted up his sword to an idol. Because the commandment tells us how we should only worship the Lord and not worship other things. And when we go to the book of Luke, here is Zacchaeus. He comes to the Lord. If we see Zacchaeus when Jesus comes, he's standing on the sycamore tree. Here is a man who's a tax collector. He could have been a respected person in his time, but he's a man who goes to the tree to just want to have a glimpse of the Lord. It shows of a man who's been seeking the Lord. He goes to an extent of losing his dignity to go up on a tree to see the Lord. When he, Jesus comes to meet him, he tells him, Zacchaeus, without even being told about repentance, he begins to tell the Lord how he must go back and pay restitution. This is a fourfold principle which we read in the book of Exodus that we are called to pay back for that which we have wronged. That is a principle of restitution. It follows the principle of forgiveness. Yes, God has forgiven us, but there comes a time when we must pay. Paying talks about repentance. There are things that we have done in our lives. One brother or a sister, a brother could have done something. You, you impregnated a lady and there's a baby there. Yes, you have fallen. But restitution requires that you must take responsibility of that child. That restitution. Restitution requires that when you borrow the money and you never paid back, somebody could have forgiven you. But your conscience tells you that you must pay. That's restitution. You may forgive you, but there comes a responsibility on our part to restitute. Jesus comes to this man and tells him, 
Indeed, this man, today salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Abraham is a man that sought the Lord. He may have failed the Lord and he went back to the Lord to seek him. So Zacchaeus comes into the footsteps of Abraham who lived before his generation. In our introduction this morning, as we begin to look at uh, the scriptures, we have certain words that I'll be using. One of them is covenant. One of them will be generation. Another word will be seek, which our fathers have uh, been introducing to us uh, last week. When we go to the word of God, we find that God is a covenant keeping God. And uh, if we read Second Chronicles 13, 5, uh, it's the Bible reads, should, should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of sort? The Bible talks about the covenant of sort. What does sort represent? Sort represent preservative. We use sort to preserve those who go and get fish. They will use sort to preserve the fish from the river so that the fresh still remain, the sort remains fresh. And sort also represents uh, flavor to, 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 to hard taste. But when you go to the covenant, within his word, God causes people to seek him wholeheartedly, to remain loyal to him, not to seek after other gods. The covenant is a sacred agreement or mutual promise between God and the person. Uh, God promises a blessing for obedience to his commandment. And covenant shows a picture of how God joins with his people so that they remain one. In the book of Hosea, chapter 1, and even 10, which our father was referring to, God caused Hosea to go and marry Goma. Goma is a woman that was, could be called, for lack of a better word, a prostitute. A woman that was not faithful to him, but God is calling a prophet to go and marry such a man, such a woman. Here is a man, God is calling you to go and marry a woman that you know in your society that this woman has not lived up to the standard. And God insists, go and marry that woman. God is trying to ask you to feel the pain of how you have this wife who's going to be unfaithful to you many times. What jealousy are you going to have? What pain are you going to have? For men, they would run away just once, run away from such a woman. But God is calling the prophet to go and marry such a woman. And then he begins to tell him, this, this which you're going to feel is how I feel when my people who are covenanted with me become unfaithful to me. This is how God is demonstrating the covenant uh, that's how people have not kept the covenant with him. The covenant of sort in the practice was sort was used when there was a wedding. A woman brought sort and a man brought sort. There was a vessel where they put sort together and they were asked to separate the two. Because they could not separate, that's how they were told. This is the enduring nature of the covenant that you are entering into. And God requires his people to enter into an enduring nature of relationship a covenant relationship with him. So when we look at that, we find that scripture talks about the covenant of sort, even in the book of Numbers 19, Numbers 18, 19, Leviticus 2, verse 13. Now when we come to the depths of the seriousness of the covenant, and we find how in the book of 2 Chronicles 15, 10, the Bible reads, so they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had bought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. 
and whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. That's how serious that covenant was, that you broke it, you died. Now here is God telling us how we should remain into his covenant relationship, which he gave to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even David. If we come to the definition of generation, generation talks about the people, a group of people born and living during the same time. It could also be an average length of time between the birth of parents and the birth of their children. It is also called the group of people that lived at a certain time. Time could be called an epoch, epoch, a particular period of time in history or person's life. The word seek is to attempt to find, to hunt, to be in quest of, to search for, desperate in need. Seek first his kingdom. The definition to find or to hem and strive after, it also means to look for, go after. God remains available and ready for us to find him in seeking. It is only faith in what God do, on what God can do, and in what Christ has done. It is not our own righteousness. So he has asked us to seek, to ask, to find. And we must seek the Lord continuously. There are different senses being considered in seeking, asking, and knocking. Asking is a verb, And then when we seek, it's our hearts. When we knock, it is our hand. Psalm 24 is talking about how we must have clean hands and a pure heart. So when we come before him, because God searches our hearts and our minds. We can hide before any man. You, I can hide from you. You can hide from me. But we cannot hide from God. That's why God calls us to have a clean heart and a clean hand. So this morning as we continue, after I finish the introduction, we go now to the first point. Fathers and patriarchs show the way, which is a standard. Fathers and patriarchs show the way, which is a standard. When we look at this, we find that God is telling us how fathers, our forefathers who lived in their time, showed us a standard. If we read Second Chronicles 17, verse 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the bars, but sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandment, and not according to the acts of Israel. So therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave present to Jehoshaphat, and had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the words of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. First Chronicles 28 verse 9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father, and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches whole hearts and understand the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. When we come to this, we find that the two men that are being mentioned here, Jehoshaphat, if we, if we look at Jehoshaphat, who is Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat is not the biological son of uh, David, but he's being called, he went after the ways of his father, David. Jehoshaphat is born from Asa the king, who he takes over his kingship. And uh, the picture there is being shown to us that they are those who we call spiritual fathers. Even in our house here, we have whom we call a spiritual father. We've got our biological father, where we come from. But when it comes to the relationship with our God, there is a father 
a man who has grace, whom we are receiving from in terms of the word that God gives through him. And here is Jehoshaphat is being told that he's a man who followed after the ways of his father, David. When we look at Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was born from his father, Asa. The Bible says Asa did not seek the Lord. If we read 2 Chronicles 16, the Bible says the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. That Asa did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors ancestors, and they buried him in the tomb. What we see here is Asa is a man that reigned and lived as a king. When he was sick and afflicted, he did not turn to the Lord and seek him. He only sought the best physicians. Sometimes people require that they go to the best places. We have seen people go to India. We have seen people go to the best prophets in Nigeria. We've seen people go to other countries to seek the best help. But here is Asa. And the Bible is saying, even when he was afflicted, he never sought the Lord. So the Bible is telling us, when we are in affliction, we are in difficulties, the first thing we must do, the Bible says, first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. The first principle is that we must seek the Lord. Asa did not seek the Lord. When we go to the other scriptures that we have, speaking of how our, the patriarchs, show the way understand it. We have Paul. Paul is speaking to his son Timothy. And he's telling him in 2 Timothy 3.10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconian, at Istria. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. The manner of life, the way of life, the doctrine, which is the teaching, the purpose in life, the faith that Timothy was following his father. There are fathers in the Bible like Moses speaking to Israel at the time of Joshua in Deuteronomy 32, 1 to 7. Give ye all heavens and I will speak and hear all earth the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as a rain, my speech distill as a dew, as rain drops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. I ascribe greatness to our God. He is a rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are just. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteousness and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish. A perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord? O foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father who brought you? Who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. This is a principle that God brings in the world that there must be that which sons must begin to learn from their fathers in the way they live. Deuteronomy 32 verse 9 to 11. For the, Lord is for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is a place of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land, in the wasteland, a holding 
wilderness. He encircled him, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an, ink, and as an eagle stirs up its nest over, over its young, spreading out its wings, taking up, carrying on them like on wings. This is how God does to his people. That God is demonstrating the covenant relationship that he has with his people. And he shows us about Isaac, about Abraham, about David. Isaac, in Genesis 25, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. This is what Isaac could do, that he could pray, he could seek the Lord in the time of his affliction. The Bible says in Genesis 24 verse 1, Abraham was now very old and the Lord was blessed with him in every way. What did Abraham seek? In verse 3, I want you to swear, he's telling his servant by the Lord, that the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but you will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife from my son Isaac. He's talking about how he must obey the word of the Lord and seek that which God had wanted him to do. If we come to Jacob, Jacob in the book of Genesis 48, the Bible says, verse 15, then he blessed Joseph and said, may the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and may they, be, may they increase greatly on the earth. This is what the patriarchs were able to do. They were seeking even God, even for their sons, that were able to pass on that which they, they have acquired in their life from the living God to their sons. Point number two, another generation arose that did not seek God. Another generation arose that did not seek God. Judges 2 verse 7 to 10, the Bible says, The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timah, Heres, in the country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that, verse 10, what, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what the Lord had done for Israel. After the elders and the patriarchs had died, another generation arose. This generation did not know the Lord, number one. Number two, they did not even know what the Lord had done even for their ancestors. What a shame. This is what God is is, is concerned about that there must be those that pass on the message even to the sons that are coming up. What message are we passing on to those who are living today? What message are we passing on to the young generation? The Bible says again in Judges 21 verse 24 to 25 at that time the Israelites left that place and went home to their tribes and clans each to his own inheritance. In those days Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. And everyone did as they saw fit. When there are no fathers, everyone does what they do. Everyone does what they think is right. But when the father is there the, with the father in grace, there is a road of discipline that comes that sons must begin to obey, walk in the ways of the Lord. This is a generation that did not seek God. What type of generation is this? This is a generation that hardens its heart. 
Hebrews 3, 7 to 10 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness, where your father tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was hungry with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. He goes on to say, This is a generation that is unfaithful, that provokes the jealous of God. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 20, he said, I'll hide my face from them. I'll see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to hunger by their foolish idols, but I'll provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I'll move them to hunger by a foolish nation. This is a generation that does not love discipline. They do not love correction. They do not want to be corrected. The moment you do that, they'll be upset with you. They will not talk to you. Why? They are a perverse generation. But the generation that Jeremiah talks about in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 30 to 32, in vain I have stricken your children and your people. They have received no discipline, no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. All generation that you are, behold, consider and regard the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel like a land without food, a land of deep darkness, like a way without light? Why, why do my people say, we have broken loose, we are free and we roam at large. We will come, to, we'll come no more to you. Can a, mad, can a maid forget and neglect to wear the, her ornaments? Or a bride, a bride, her marriage guido with the significance like light of a wedding ring? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Days without number. So this point is talking about how people have forgotten the Lord and is comparing to how at a wedding day even the bride will never forget the ring. That's how important that is. But the Bible says these people have forgotten me days without number. This is a perverse generation, the generation that have forgotten what the Lord did for even their parents, what the Lord did even for their patriarchs. We see that these people have disobeyed God by marrying off their children to foreign women. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, 25, the Bible is talking of how these people, God is telling them, I was, you, you were given a covenant not to intermarry. You were not supposed to intermarry with other, with other nations, but you went ahead and did that. So God is telling them, you have disobeyed me. This is a principle that God is giving even to us today that we should not join ourselves to those that are not supposed to be joined with, to that which is an idol, to that which does not help us even in our walk with the Lord. So we go to the book of uh, Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is talking of how God is rebuking them, that these people have refused to hear me. These people have refused to obey me. These people have refused to follow the ways of the Lord, and God is becoming is getting concerned with them to tell them, you have disobeyed my covenant. The scripture in the book of uh, Nehemiah, at that time, it was a time when these people were given a command. I'm trying to get a scripture here. They were given a command, and uh, this command was about not for them to go and intermarry. Um, in the book of uh, Nehemiah, uh, just a moment, please. Nehemiah 13, 25. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them, and put, pulled, 
put out their air and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him. He was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women, pagan women caused him to sin. Should we then hear of you doing all this great evil, transgression against our God by marrying pagan women? This is a command that God had given them. Jesus even comes at the platform when he's talking to the, to the Pharisees. He rebukes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in John chapter 8, 37 to 40. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you, you do what you have seen with your father. He's comparing the, your, your father, the devil, and the heavenly father. Then they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. What Abraham did, if Abraham is our father, Abraham sought the Lord. Therefore, we must also seek the Lord for us to qualify to be descendants of Abraham. So this morning, as we go to the point number three, there is an open heaven on the generation of those, on the generation of the righteous. God opens the heaven on those who seek him. And the scriptures are, are there to show us. Genesis 28 verse 10 to 13. Now Jacob went out from Besheba and went toward Haram. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. And because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. In the same chapter, 28, uh, 16 to 17, we see uh, Jacob, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, sure the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. There is what is called the gate of heaven. When God opens his gate, the blessings flow on his people. There were blessings that started flowing on the life of Jacob because he was seeking the Lord. And God opened the heavens upon his life. Psalm 78 verse 22 to 24, there is also a picture of how God opened the heavens on the children of Israel. 78 verse 22 of the book of Psalms, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. In verse 23 it says, yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven had rained down manna on them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. So God is able to cause even the cloud to do its work and the heaven doors to open on his people. That's why God is calling people to call upon his name. Whether it's something that we think this we can do with our own expertise, with our own skills, 
But there is something that is about what God is the one who gives us the power to hold even the things we have. Psalm 14, 5 says, There they are, in the, they are in great fear, for God is with the generation of the righteous. When we see the scriptures, if we go now in the point number four, we find that God places a demand on priority to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He places that demand on us. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a scripture that is connected to our theme this year. Now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon us. From the book of Hosea chapter 10, uh, verse 12. This is a theme that talks about how we must place a demand on the priority. If we go to the life of uh, Solomon, for instance, at a time that he began, First uh, King chapter 3, verse 10 to 14, the Bible says, that speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself an understanding to descend justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there, was, there has not been anyone like you before you, or sure shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings on your, in your days, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings in your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and commandment as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. How does this come to please the Lord? How does a speech from Solomon pleases the Lord? That the Lord even asked Solomon to ask for anything he wished. Imagine God gives you an opportunity to ask for anything you have wished. And I guess that you have a list of things that you need in your life. And I guess you will begin to look at the, the, the things that we see. It's a picture of the son in the book of Luke 15. A young man who comes to the father to ask for the inheritance of his father even before the father died. He asked for the things. This is a priority of the young man. But when it comes to Solomon, Solomon, Solomon surprises the Lord. That God actually has given us an opportunity that when we come before him, we must ask, we must seek, we must knock. But even in our knocking, in our asking, in our seeking, there is what is called priority. There is what is called our relationship with him first. That we must seek the relationship with our God before we begin to seek the things that God owns. That's a point. Maybe I can hear an amen on that one. Okay, I have requests for that amen. Now, this morning, when we look at the priority God is placing on us, a demand in our lives, it's a demand to seek him first. That's the theme our Father has given us. Solomon, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instruction given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifice and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifice for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Had Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want to give you want me to give you after he had offered the sacrifice, after he had walked in the ways of his fathers. The Lord God comes to him in the night in a dream and asks him, ask for whatever you want me to give you, 
Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous, upright in heart. You have continued this greatness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of the father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, of great people, too numerous to count. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is, where to, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Solomon asked for wisdom, understanding, the discerning heart. This is what Solomon did. This surprised the Lord. This is very important even in our work with the Lord that we must place the demand on priority. We must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We must seek the kingdom, the ways of God in our lives. We must delay, delight in the ways of the Lord like Josephat, that actually he sought the Lord even in his life. He sought on the ways of his father David, that even in his walk the Lord was with him, that the Lord was able to give him beyond that which he asked, like we read in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that God was able to give us, was able to give us more than we ask, abundantly more than that which we ask. That is a goal that we must seek. It's a God that blessed Solomon beyond that which he asked. That he asked for God, God had to give him even beyond that which he was able to ask. Today, when God is calling upon us to seek him, he's giving us a demand that we must prioritize our, our request with him. That when we come to him, we must seek the Lord. The last point, the generation, one generation to another will seek God. One generation to another will seek God. That is posterity. In the book of Psalms 145, verse 4 to 7, the Bible says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your might acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. This is the generation that that seeks the Lord to another generation. That this is the generation that commends the works of the Lord. They tell of what God has done in their lives. That's a testimony. That they speak of the glorious splendor of his majesty. What God has done beyond the things that we have received. How God has saved us. God has healed us. How God has protected us. How God has been able to lead us to make a way for us even when we came into the wilderness. When we came to a place where we came to the end of ourselves, God came to us and was able to help us. It was a time when we were almost in an accident. Even in an accident, God saved us. It was in a, this disease that almost took our lives, but we turned to the Lord and God healed us. It was at this place where we were almost making a mistake of our lifetime by marrying a wrong person. That is what is called marrying a wrong person. A person that gives you a pain in your neck, even in your relationship, as you live on this earth. God can give you uh, the discerning heart to know this is a wrong decision I'm making. God can be able to help you in your education. Look at Daniel. Daniel prays even in his time that God will give him the, the, the intelligence ten times more than the people that he lived with at his time and God was able to grant him that this man was more intelligent. God can give anything. God is able to give anything. Amen. God is able to give anything. What, what is it that God cannot do? 
God can do anything. He can heal us. When, he, when he, his word says, he sent his word and healed our diseases. His word is powerful. The word can penetrate our hearts and our minds to even check out those things that we had before him, the things that we had before people, the pain, the bitterness that we hide, that we can show the face for that which we are not. That, that which comes from the heart of a man is that which defiles us, not that which enters us. And God is asking that he searches our hearts and our minds to check that which we need to remove, that we can come with a clean hand and a pure heart before him. Another generation that shall declare what God has done, that one generation to another will see God. There's a generation that declares what God has done. Joel chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. The Bible says, hear this, you elders. Listen, all who you live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for posterity, that that which we have received from the Lord, we must tell it to our children. What is it that we are telling our children today? Are we showing them the face of the wealth of this world, that we must give them the wealth first before they can have the wisdom, before they can become mature, before they can know the Lord? If we show them that, they will forget the Lord. They will forget that the very thing you are showing us, the very thing we are showing us, actually the Lord blessed us with those things. That's why we must insist on the blessed demand, on the priority to seek the Lord. He says in the book of Joel, Hear this, you elders, listen, who you live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation what the locust swarm has left the great locusts have eaten, and what the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten, and the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. This is like things that have been happening in our lives. We have had the ups and downs. We have been in the mountains, we've been in the valley, but the Lord is always with us. The Lord has saved us from all these things, and we can stand and praise him. He goes on to tell us, what are you passing on to, the, what are you passing on to your people? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The Bible says, Paul is telling Timothy, and the things which you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to liable people who also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That in the, in the journey that we have moved, in the journey that Paul moved, he had a time when he preached the word even to his son Timothy. That that which you have heard me say, Entrust it to liable people who will be able to teach others. Join me as a soldier of Christ. But as you join me as a soldier of Christ, know that there has been time of suffering. There's been time of persecution. There's been time of difficulties, turmoil and everything. But know that you must always stand and preach the word of the Lord. The message continues. What is it that we are passing on? In the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 3 to 6, we find the Bible is telling us, in Titus 2, verse 3 to 6, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good, and they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husband, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled, He's saying us, we must teach. What is it that we are teaching? He's telling the, the older women to teach the younger women. And these are principles that he's telling them. 
What is it? Are we teaching people to be addicted to wine? And we've seen how many people are addicted to wine in our society today. To teach that which is good. Be innocent in what is good. Be, be innocent in what is good. Be innocent of evil. Do that which is good. Be innocent of evil. The book of Romans is telling us that we must teach that which is good. Then they can urge their young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure. God is calling us to be self-controlled. Before people can control you, control yourself. That is denying ourselves. He's saying be, be busy at home because if you are busy at home, you will not be involved in issues that have to do with slandering, uh, addiction, and all these things that happen in society. Uh, to be kind and to be subject to their husband so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, he's calling upon the young men to be self-controlled. Young men, be self-controlled. Young men, be self-controlled. No one will control us because there are times when we are alone. We are somewhere far. Here is the prodigal son he goes. He needed to be self-controlled so that he does not go in a place where he lives in the desolate places where there's no God. So we should tell the children to tell their children how to live. Young women to be taught by the older women. Young men to be self-controlled in their lives. This is a generation that keeps his word. Psalm 12, verse 6 to 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord, you shall preserve them from this generation forever. First Peter 2, 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The generation that seeks the Lord, the generation that seeks the Lord to another, is a generation that is led by the Spirit of the Lord with the word on their tongue. It's a generation that declares the name of the Lord, Psalm 22, verse 22. It's a generation that is led by the Spirit with the word on their tongue. Second Samuel 2, 23, verse 2. Uh, David is speaking to his people in his time when he was about to go. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he's like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part. Surely it would not have brought to fruition my salvation. What generation is this as I begin to wind up? That's a generation that has the fathers who bring the true doctrine. This house has this, the fathering grace of Pastor uh, and Mrs. Reuter that are always emphasizing the doctrine, the word of God. They provide platforms for us to listen to the word of God. That is the generation God is looking for that has fathers who bring true doctrine. Second Chronicles 15 Verse 1 to 7 says, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and O Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel has been without the true God, without the teaching priests, and without the law. But when in trouble, when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him. He was found by them. And in those times there was no peace 
to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great timer was on all the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation and seat by seat, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. It was a time when these people had forsaken the Lord. They had no teaching priests. They had no fathering grace in their time. They had no law. The word of God was absent. They had, they had no teaching. There was no doctrine. The teaching in their lives was absent. They had no word of God. They had no priest. These three things were missing. The question is, can you begin to think about, number one, do you have a priest, your father, your, your father who gives you the grace? That's number two. Number three, what manner of life, what doctrine are we following? The teaching. Is there a message that we receive that shapes us? This is what God is calling us to. It's a generation that know when to and when to give. What to and when to give. Deuteronomy 12, verse 8 to 11. Our spiritual father has been talking about how we must celebrate the first fruit. We must give the first fruit, the tithe and the offering. This is another way of seeking the Lord because we are doing that which our patriarchs did. Because Abraham had given Melchizedek a 10% of his, everything he had. He had sought the Lord in giving. He had sought the Lord in knowing the various givings that we have. And this is what God is calling us to do. It's a generation that repents. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 41, the Bible says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered, he answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it except a sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment day and condemn it because they repented and the preaching of Jonah, indeed a greater than Jonah, is here. He's talking about how Jesus himself would come and die and be able to bring salvation to them. So, it's the generation that repents that God is calling upon. Lastly, the last scripture that I want to read uh, this morning is coming from 2 Chronicles 7, verse 13 to 15. The Bible says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plaque among my people, the Bible says in verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to their prayers offered in this place. God is calling us to a place of humility that we pray and seek the face of the Lord and turn away from their ways. Then God, God will hear from heaven and will forgive us and heal the land. Creation is waiting for the sons of God to arise so that creation can be healed. So we have got difficulties in our society today because God is calling upon us to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn away from the wicked ways and God is able to hear us from heaven. Let us pray as we close. Our God and our Father, we are so thankful this morning we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that I had to share your word. I thank you, Lord, even for the opportunity that our spiritual father had given me. And I thank you for your people for hearing your word this morning. 
that God is calling upon a generation that seeks the Lord. This is a generation of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. These are the people who had shown us the way that they first sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then other things were added unto their lives. Lord, this is the modus operandi that you are calling us to operate in, that you want us, O oh Lord, to seek your face, that, O oh Lord, we turn away from our wicked ways, that, Lord, then we pray, that, Lord, then you will hear from heaven and heal their land. Heal our land, O oh Lord. This morning, I want to pray even for those that may not be feeling well this morning. I pray that, O oh Lord, you sent your word and healed our diseases. That, Lord, the promises that in your word are ours and our children. We thank you this morning that, O oh Lord, you are the healer. We thank you this morning that, O oh Lord, you are able to guide us. That, O oh Lord, situations in our lives may exist that seem to be difficult. But when we turn to you, Lord, you are able to come through. You are able to guide us. You are able to make a way for us. You are able to protect us. You are able, O oh Lord, to give us discernment, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. The Lord, indeed, doors that are closed in our lives, spiritual doors where you want us to hear the revelation, the Lord, we may see that our eyes may open, that our spiritual eyes may also open, that we may hear you, Lord, and follow your ways, that we follow after the ways of our father David, him who walked in the ways of the Lord. Yes, he may have sinned, but more often than not, he came back to you, Lord, and sought you and repented. And you are calling us to be a people that repent, that turn away from our wicked ways, and that, Lord, we can seek you, that, Lord, you can shower your righteousness upon us, that, Lord, we may live in your kingdom. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That, O Lord, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This morning we choose to trust in you, Lord. We choose, to choose, we choose O Lord, to seek your face even in our lives, that you may have an open heaven in our lives, open gate in our lives. Open your heavens upon our lives, Lord. The Lord, we may receive the showers of blessings even in this year that we may receive the showers of blessing in our jobs, in our marriage, in our, in our families, in our jobs, in every area of our lives, in government. The Lord, we pray for the leaders of this nation. The Lord, you be with them. Grant them wisdom. Grant them understanding that they may lead your people in righteousness. We thank you for our Father, Pastor and Mrs. Reuter. The Lord, you be with them. Let your grace rest upon them. The Lord, you protect them where they are. In Jesus' name that we pray. With thanksgiving in our hearts and all the people of God say, Amen and Amen.